0: Log Talk Radio. Mm
1: Law, New World Order, FEMA camps, guillotines, aliens, UFOs, fallen angels, Anunnaki,
2: their earth will never be the same again. And at that time Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt.
1: your future, yet yeah, you're the ones he's speaking to, only those with discernment, not blinded by this world, can see what is the obvious, turning to the final eye, oh, right, in his own eyes, ignore the truth, the leaders talk about future war, it's now just a push away, judgment is about to fall on men, only the judge can stand the day, men led by evil spirits, that come from the other side, lead men through their destructive end. All written in his holy word The judgment comes upon the law, the time to waste, run to the frown. Drunk old lies of this age, Feels too smart to believe. Pray to future for the lust, blindly bust in. They call you to join them, Fall into to the order that Satan has. And getting ready to sell her soul for a chance to receive His pardon. Oh.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Father, for everything that we are going through. Thank you, Father. We just praise you for all the trials, tribulations, challenges, learnings, refiners, fire, chastenings, whatever it is that we are uh, destined to go through. We praise you for it. And we thank you, Father. We praise you especially for the victory that is uh, imminent and right around the corner for many of us or in the midst of materializing itself as we are pursuing you and praising you. We thank you for that, Father, because if if it wouldn't be for the epiphany, the understanding that we need to be praising you, even while we're praying for things that we have not seen come to pass in our lives, but we need to be praising you in the midst of it all and understanding that that praise is energy. That praise is supernatural energy that comes down from above. It is the essence of the Godhead, and it is what makes change in our lives. But we must have faith. We must keep on praying while we have that faith, and we must believe with all of our heart and praise you for the revelation, the uh, the earthly materialization of what it is we're praying for. So we thank you, Father, for helping us to understand these things, because for many years, many of us, including myself, really didn't, really didn't. You know, we believed everything was ultimately going to be a miracle. We believed that if we prayed for something, it was going to happen, quote, soon. We didn't know what soon actually meant. We didn't have a repertoire, a portfolio of enough testimonies to understand the dynamics between a miracle and something quite a bit different but still very unbelievably supernatural. And, Father, for that tonight, we praise you especially for the visit from Sister Karen, uh, who's going to share with us a uh, prayer dynamic and power of the Lord Jesus Christ dynamic that is very little known, very, very little known amongst the believers of the world, especially those who should know better which are the Pentecostals and the Assembly of God churchianity people, which I am a part of, or used to be. And, Father, it helps us to see how you work in so many different and diverse and miraculous and incredible ways that are not predictable we think they ought to be we look for those things to materialize we look for those things to happen as we're praying we're looking for that revelation sometimes we don't see it and we just assume that for some whatever reason that might be uh that either you chose not to do it or uh some form of darkness stood in the way of it and it's none none of the above it really is none of the above most of the time and what a glorious, wonderful blessing it is, Father. We just praise you for helping us along our journey. As long as this journey is taken, might we, may we please, in Jesus' name, continue to learn more and more about how your kingdom works. More than anything, I think the people that listen to this program, If they wanted to hear just general good times, Leonard Ravenhill preaching and motivation, then they they could go to any one of a thousand different places. But to hear the the controversial, well, arguably exceedingly advanced uh, concepts that we talk about on this program, which many of us believe are a very abundant reality, uh, whether we are able to always see it or not. We see it sometimes. Father, it is a difficult journey. We praise you that we are walking that journey. We thank you that you are giving us this revelation of your glory, your miraculous, the the miraculous way that your power works in our lives that we are very much unaware of. And we thank you, Father. We praise you, Lord, for bringing us people, bringing us testimonies, helping us to understand how incredibly diverse. But how very, very true your word is and to understand, to have actual real world testimonies that confirm that every word of your incredible Bible is true. And now to him, our Lord Jesus, who is able to keep us from stumbling and present faultless before the presence of your glory, Father God, with exceeding joy. And to you, Father, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. Amen.
1: Can and pray, for I would come for you one day, I gave you my word so you would know, the time I'd come and take you. Time for you to look around.
3: The signs are gay for
1: coming. Come and be home. Come and be home. Come and be home. Come and be home. Come and home. Come and be home.
2: Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, I was sitting in my bed. Um, I don't know. It's probably one of those many sleepless nights that I have. Um, I think I, on this particular night, I probably woke up at about 11.30 p.m. You know, I, I go to bed a lot of times around 7.30, 8, 8.30, 9.00. Um try to stay up till 10 because that usually but not always um allows me to sleep a little bit later. But um I I remember you know I, I put it aside because it was too big. Uh too big a testimony, too many uh in the too many words in the attachment. You know, pages and pages. And I was like, "Okay, well, I don't know. Maybe I'll get around to reading it eventually. I'll put it in the uh, you know, will read eventually folder." And then for some reason I, you know, I don't know if it was that night or within. It was definitely in the re, re, in the realm of remembrance where I was like, hey, I can't sleep and everything. So maybe I better go ahead and, you know, just go ahead and take, the, take advantage of this and open up this, uh, you know, attachment inside this email. So I did. Um, because, you know, as you can imagine over 11 years, I get a lot of testimonies and things, you know, and, and especially YouTube references, you know, oh, this brother and sister is just tearing up my heart. Oh my gosh. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I know they are all that and everything else under the sun. And, and it's not that they aren't. It's not that. It's just I don't have time always to be able to go through all of them. And it's, you know, I have to go by the leading of the Lord. And it doesn't mean that I always hear. Sometimes I think I miss stuff because I just don't have time. And whatever, there was no additional push. In this case, for some reason, I happened to have this sleepless night. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and open up uh, this, uh, you know, attachment testimony. Pages and pages and pages and pages, like a mini book, And, but I just felt that awake. And I was like, okay, this is great. This is great. Well, time well spent, that kind of thing. And I was reading and, and, it, and the more I read it, the more interested I got, the more it became less like a testimony and more like I was there. And. Now I'm like emotionally invested in the outcome. You know, at at some point eventually, you know, in that situation where you're reading and reading and, you know, getting to know all the people and the story and what's going on and what's happening and how it's happening and all that kind of stuff. You know, if you're an emotional sponge like me, eventually you'll become immersed in that, I don't know, story dynamic, that testimony, and it'll become kind of like a quasi-reality that you're going through while you're reading it. Which is what happened. And and as I'm reading more and more, I'm getting more and more immersed in the personalities and the people that were being spoken about as these things are unfolding. I, I'm like, I gotta know the answer. I gotta you know, I gotta know and, and you know, and I kept on reading and reading and then it it got more intense, more intense, more intense, more intense and then it was like Bam! Oh my gosh, I can't believe it! And uh, I, I am not going to tell you what happened because that's Karen's job. And besides, coming from me, it'd be kind of a joke anyway. You know, you know not a joke, but it would be um, counter amazing. And we don't want counter amazing. We want. We, here's the thing: it's if you're if you're basically an unbeliever then you're going to have a pretty conformed uh, normal response group. You'll have different ways you're going to respond, but they'll all be in this, I don't know, kind of a bubble. Okay, and, you know, if you're a believer, but, you know, from a different form of Christianity or whatever, um, you may see the testimony in a, di- in a different light. However, if you're a Pentecostal or an Assembly of God type of person, and you were raised in Christianity amidst miracles that were a pretty regular thing to occur, then this is your night. It's not that everybody else is gonna. It's it's not that everyone else will not be blessed. Everyone will be blessed and blown away and astonished, knocked off their feet by this testimony. I sat there in the middle of the night reading the last couple of pages of it with tears literally pouring down my face. And I'm going to leave it at that Uh, because it would be just wrong on many levels for me to go any further than, than that. But it's especially noteworthy, that's the response I had, when I come from an upbringing as a small child in the land of Jesus' miracles as a part of daily life. Now, granted, you know, when my dad was chasing me outside the house with a, uh, you know, was back when they had milk bottles, you know, where milk would be delivered to your house, remember that? And uh, he had an empty milk bottle and he's mad at me and he wanted to whack me upside the head. So he's like chasing me out of the house with his milk bottle. But, you know, those were the days. You don't have that anymore. But when I look at my upbringing, the amount of miracles, the testimonies, the things that I saw in the church, the, the unbelievable stuff by which I was a part of, where it actually happened to me. I wish it would have happened to me like 50 more times or 100 more times or whatever the case is, but it didn't. Very much like, you know, Andrew Womack, who talks about this big date in his life and, and all this supernatural stuff and, you know, all this miraculous ecstasy came over him and he experienced God in a very real way and blah, 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 blah. To me, that's just the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But to a lot of people, his testimony is like, wow, that's amazing. Holy moly. I can't believe he went through all that ecstasy and all that stuff. And I was like, that's what happened to me. And we always wish we could go back to it. Now, it doesn't mean that that is always how the baptism of the Holy Spirit befalls somebody. All right? But the point is that it's not that uncommon. Nevertheless, when you're brought up in that world... Demon chasing, demon casting out, you know, miracle, you know, sometimes being in a, you know, really Holy Spirit filled, uh, you know, uh, 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 church, you know, event and having somebody like throw themselves on the ground and start slithering around like a snake and all kinds of creepy things because they need demons cast out. You know, that that was part of my life. So when I heard Karen's when I read Karen's testimony. When I became a part of what was happening, when I heard what everybody was doing, um, it was alien to me. I don't mean like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, reptilians are coming, reptilians are coming. It's not what I'm talking about. It was not something that I was... A part of in my entity upbringing, even though I was brought in a um, Holy Spirit, tongue speaking, miracle, demon casting out sort of a church, right? And it, but I knew I knew it was true in advance of reading her testimony, and I knew all the Bible verses that supported it. So I was very comfortable as I was reading the testimony, but I had never experienced that testimony that fulfilled all of those various Bible verses. I've never experienced it. I've never heard it before. I've never believed it. I never was a part of it. I wasn't in the story. I didn't see it happen until I heard the testimony. And that is what blew me away. That was why I was like, you know, please, Sister Karen, will you come on the program? Because there are because there's a lot of people that will hear this testimony and go, Wow, that's amazing. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You'll have tears rolling down your eyes. But there's another group of us. Another group of us like me that needs this upside our heads. Because we've been programmed to believe that divine healing is going to occur like this. You're going to pray, people will pray, healing on the fence, and then something and this and that will happen, and then bada bing, bada bing, bada bing, and then you know, da 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 da. Okay, and we're we're taught that, we're taught that, and and so we don't when we don't, so we give up. You know, we pray up to a certain point, and then we're like. Well, you know, and we ask for confirmations of our, prayer, you know, and we're like, hey, hey, Sister Marilyn, have you heard, uh, you know, what happened? Has anything happened to Sister Judy? We've been praying for her. We've been praying for her, and uh, no, no, Sister Judy's not doing very well. So then you get this notion in your head, no matter no matter how many miracles you or whatever, or been a part of, you get this notion in your head that Sister Judy or whatever uh, has a special circumstance, and she's not going to receive the healing. So you stop praying, which is utterly contradictive to the Bible. It is wrong. It's what we're told not to do, but we do it. And it's so wrong. And tonight, when you hear this testimony, it will blow your mind because it will probably remind many of the listeners of this program how wrong you were when you stopped praying. Did you hear what I said? We brought a lot of people on this program that had over 11 years plus that have had very supernatural things happen to them. Amazing things. Book, I mean written in books. Amazing. Mind-blowing. But very few of those supernatural testimonies are as erudite. They're not as – they don't teach you something that is so very important. Oh, they teach you that Jesus is amazing. They teach you that God loves us. They teach you that miracles will happen. Yes, which is all awesome. But they don't teach you who you are and who you are commanded to be in Christ via the Word of God, which is by in and of of itself a commandment. If you, if you, it's the word of God. God said to you, go do this. And you knew that he said to you, go do this. And you decided, you read it, you saw it, he said it, but you decided not to go do it. Are you in his obedience? No. So everything, every time you read something in the Bible that says you're supposed to go and do this, that, or the other thing, and you don't do it, you are in what? Disobedience. That's not where you want to be, especially at this time. Now, we all have plenty of space to work in that regard to, in our walk and everything. And praise God for his mercy and and all that. Thank you, Jesus. But to understand that when a brother or sister is in a situation where our prayers and our and the power of God down via our prayers through fervent seeking and praise and supplications before our God, our Father, our the Throne Room of the Most High. When we understand how much power we were given, and we don't broker that power because we're dumb, or whatever, lacking knowledge. You know, ignorant is the key, is the dictionary definition of the word ignorant of what we should know. But we don't. The Bible says it, but because we've never heard the testimony before, we're sitting there going, oh, uh, uh, you know, oh, well, maybe Sister Judy has a blank or whatever. So we stop praying. We want the instant praise report. We don't want to praise through or I don't want to say that we don't want to necessarily, but in many cases we just assume, which I believe with all my heart that it's the devil speaking to your heart and trying to convince you to stop praying, which he's so successful at. And when you know how vitally, crucially important it is, that you do what exactly what the Bible says. Keep on praying. Keep on seeking, keep on asking, keep on reverently knocking, you know, to to, to get, you know, that we shall always pray, Luke 18, no matter what, never giving up, never having a lack of faith, knowing that eventually we're going to receive it and praising God that we will, knowing that we shall. That is a supernatural, spiritual, power-based mindset that does not come naturally and definitely doesn't come from the church. It comes from God. And that is an amazing thing, especially when you have a confirmation. That comes from a testimony like this, and rarely have I uh, got all jacked up and, you know, uh, spent so much time, you know, a good 15 minutes raving about the importance of a testimony as uh, any of our listeners know. I mean, any of our, uh, you know, uh, in regard to any of our guests, Um, it's not it's not a good, bad, ugly and different. I mean, there there are plenty of testimonies that are mind shattering, absolutely mind shattering. Angels taking it, 17, God had conversations, this, that, and the other thing, amazing. I'm not saying there's anything unamazing about it. That is amazing. I sit here with bawling alligator tears coming down my, my face. That's not it. It's sometimes God blesses us with learning something about our walk and how we have been behaving, believing that we're we were walking in perfect harmony and purity with God's will, And nevertheless, not seeing the weakness in our godly philosophy of how to pray. Not realizing that right at the very moment that we were sitting there debating whether or not we should keep praying, if we had prayed one more prayer, that person would have been healed. But at that moment in time, we decided it must be something else. And that person did not live. Those children of that person did not have a parent. Because we chose to stop praying. Now, that is a lesson to be learned. And I, I I believe with all of my heart that you will be powerfully powerfully blessed to hear this testimony because it was well you'll see all right praise God thank you Jesus hallelujah and on that note kids are you ready for some hey we're getting outside of the normal or the jokes that we've been using uh, in, in those little upside down cartoons or whatever are you ready for some regular old jokes kids are you ready? All right, praise God. All right, now I gotta, I gotta make sure I got the. These are these, these are placed on the uh, show notes in a very different, different way. So I gotta like you know turn my head sideways and you know like whatever, um, put on upside down sunglasses and all that. All right, kids, what do you call a penguin in the desert? Lost. <laughs> you know, penguin in the desert. You know, lost and all that kind of words. All right. All right, praise God. Kids, what do you get when you cross a centipede with a parrot? A (laughs) (laughs) walkie-talkie. Yeah, centipede, parrot, walkie-talkie, that kind. Yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Where should you never take your dogs, kid? Kids. Kids. Where should you never take your dogs? To a flea market. <laughs> you know, fleas, dogs, uh, don't get along so well and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> all right. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. All right. And these little, oh, here we go. Let me kill those. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah, I think you're going to be blessed by this tonight. Um, you know, and um, the stuff going around the world. Look at it. You know, I I, I guess we're just going to have to ride this I don't know, average mean of the apocalyptic end times weirdness kind of thing. Listen to everybody expound upon how horrible monkey punks are going to be, uh, what's going to happen with the, you know, the 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 primary or, you know, all this stuff. Midterm primaries, you know, nothing ends. And it's still going. It's going strong. But you know, you're kind of like still riding the wave. Oh yeah you're riding the wave of apocalyptic weather you're waving a, riding the wave of apocalyptic geographic events you're riding the wave of signs in the sun the moon and star seas roaring you 're riding the wave of warnings about meteors and and and, and asteroids that are going to you know near earth objects that are coming closer than ever before and you're riding the wave of you know uh, of uh, you know China and Russia ganging up against the rest of the world and, and fulfilling biblical prophecy and albums that were done by Jack vannape back in 1972. you 're riding the wave of this you're riding, But you're still riding the wave. And therein lies the problem. You're still riding the wave. I'm not saying that you're doing anything wrong. I'm just saying that it's a problem because it's our reality. We should be gone by now. Most of us believe that. But we also recognize to some degree that it's God's mercy That keeps us here in the first place there, but for the grace of God, go with I, right? So here we are blessed here. We are ready to get, get you know, get out of here. And we want to go so bad, but we forget the heart of Jesus. We forget. That his heart is with those. It's not that he doesn't love us. He does course but his heart is deeply with those who are his but aren't his and that's a problem and we used to be part of that group that's something to think about praise God and on that note let's go into the news
3: ladies and gentlemen May I have your attention please?
1: It's not normal. It's just wrong. Uh, it's not normal. It's dying. Game over.
2: All right, praise God. First up, Putin signs decree for grant uh, for yeah, it says for grant Russian citizenship to Kyrgyzstan region of Ukraine. Now, all this is about, you know, just to clarify in case you hear some news report that's saying, you know, all this bad, you know, oh, this is just terrible because Russia's opening up their borders and this. No, all this is. Is that um, Putin has looked at the various regions of uh, the Donbass and the areas uh, that were being you know just decimated by endless shelling and destruction and murder of their the children going to school and for 14 years. And he said, well, you know what, Um, you know, yeah, there's a border, yeah, you know, all this other stuff, but he just signed a decree that said, hey, if you're part of any of these particular areas, Kirsten is one of them, that have been under, you know, slaughter attack for the last you know, decade and a half uh, from these Nazi entities. And, you're, you know, your family, your moms, your dads, your aunts, your uncles, your children have all been, you know, many of them are dead and have been slaughtered and blown to pieces by, you know, the Nazis in the Ukraine uh, military and uh, government. And nobody's paying any attention. And we finally came in, and you know what? We're not going to turn you back over to them. We're going to grant you citizenship. Praise God. And I think that was a very righteous and proper thing to do. Hallelujah. Next thing up, Sputnik International reports Chinese armed forces conduct military exercises off of Taiwan. So now in response to, you know, our little, um, you know, military naval drive-bys and claims that we've had training officers and, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, lots and lots of soldiers. I think I heard at one point up to thirty thousand uh, actually present in Taiwan. Uh, now we have more than ever before a show of presence. This isn't just you know a couple of jets flying overhead or a ship here or there. This is like, um, well, let me see. I mean, one, two, three. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, this is like a like a double sized carrier task force of Chinese military naval ships, battleships, going past Taiwan in the Taiwan Straits, right nearby. Um, if unless this picture is not legit in some kind of Getty image or whatever, and not the actual thing um just based on this photograph it appears to me to be one of the bigger shows of force i have seen china do thus far in regard to taiwan which is an ominous thing all things considered but you'd have to understand the history you'd have to understand you know the threats you'd have to understand the likelihood you know, or at least have some estimation of it all right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, next one up. Here we go. South Korea's end times ministries. Uh, South Korea's new president says he will no longer appease Kim Jong-un, says recent attempts at peace with North Korea were a proven failure. Dun, dun, dun. That's basically the uh, South cutting off talks with the North, which, of course, you know, would be something you would expect given all the prophecies, dreams and visions of what's going to be happening with North and South Korea and the sinking of a United States aircraft carrier. All right, next one up. Hallelujah. All right, Al Al Jazeera News reports there is there is a sickness in America, it says a country has to be sick if it values if it values its guns. More than it values its children's lives. <laughs> okay <clears throat> I'm going to let that one go. <laughs> that right there is a show in and of itself, and I've already done that show. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Hallelujah. All right, ton of the time news. The NHS, that's the you know government uh, medical establishment of the U.K. The NHS has just edited their monkeypox page to make it a little bit scarier. A few days ago, the United Kingdom's National Health Service NHS edited their monkeypox page to alter the narrative in a few key ways. And they can want to explain all these different slight adjustments to the narrative to make it sound ever so more... There we go. Next one up. Hallelujah. Absolute monster. Super tornado strikes Morton, Texas. And uh, with, you know, of course, on this website with amazing videos and pictures. And, uh, you know, hey, I didn't look at all of them. But I can tell you, if I saw this thing on the freeway ahead, I'd be doing a U-turn like somebody lit an M-80 and dropped it in, you know, on on my uh, car seat. <laughs> I'll be like, I'm out of here. Exit. Stage left. Hallelujah. This thing is a monster. This It's like, you know. Anyway, but I suspect we'll see a lot more of that. Next one up. Praise God. Hackers filed. re uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. hacker uh, Hacked files reveal severity. Scope of China's persecution of the Uyghurs. All right. Now, look. Anybody who doesn't understand the persecution that China puts out on certain people, including their own, doesn't get China. I, I could I could play some audio bites of this guy that got a hold of some tapes, and he's part of the black ops, and he found out what China's China was going to actually do, and it's it's in their plans to slaughter a very large part, a very large part, you know, like eighty ninety percentile, uh, you know, the kind of thing of, of their population. Hey, they're They're going to wipe out their own population, but they're going to wipe out a lot more than that too, but you know you kind of gotta you know know the history and understand it and see what you're seeing and know what you're seeing. All right, praise God, thank you Jesus. Next one up London pushing Kiev down a war path, according to Russia. He also accused the United Kingdom of trying to isolate diplomats to prevent them from conveying moscow's position who Who else is doing that? You know, pretty much, pretty much everybody else. It's unbelievable. I got to go out. I got to fly to Vegas uh, next week, which I'm loathing. They're very thought of, uh, you know. And I've got my little Z bracelet on here, and I'm gonna have to take it off. I know I got to, cause it'll probably start, you know, wars, thought wars, thought plays. Uh, oh well. Anyway, all right. Praise God. U.S. forecasters predict record hurricanes for seventh straight. Years. Wow. And, of course, very normal. North Korea fires three missiles after quad rebuke. It comes after the United States and its partners condemned Pyongyang at a Tokyo meeting. So essentially they said, hey, you got to piss me off. So I'm going to fire not one, not two, but three missiles into the sky and scare y'all. Next one up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Somebody drop a nuke. Somebody do something. Will somebody stop just uttering threats? It's enough to make it... You know, I was talking to West Coast Walter. I was saying, West Coast. Monkeypox? Really? Is that going to stop the midterms? What do we got going on here? What's queued up? What's teed up? And no matter what we came up with, it was all monkeypox. And I said... We need a nuke. I mean, it doesn't have to kill a bunch of people. Just set off a nuke in the middle of the ocean. Well, we need a nuke. And he's like, "Well, how about we set off a nuke in, uh, you know, uh, on the west coast and the east coast?" I'm like, "Cool with me." But monkeypox, really? Okay. Next one up. The United States will not renew Russia debt payment exemption set to expire on May 25th, Treasury says. Now, I know this might sound kind of oxymoronic and ridiculous, but really what they're doing is they're saying, we're going to cut all – we're going to put a sanction on you, and we're going to cut all, all methods, all electronic methods, all ways that you could possibly repay your debt. However – after we do that, if you do not pay your debt, we are going to globally announce you as a fraud on your debt payments forever and ever. Amen. So even after the conflict is over, you, essentially what this is saying is we're going to make it so that your credit is destroyed amongst all the nation states of the world. So now you got a 5-10 credit rating when you add an 8 50 credit rating because we blocked your ability to pay your bills not because you didn't want to not because you didn't have the means to but because we blocked it so now you have a 510 credit credit rating now if that isn't the biggest pile of monkey pox you ever heard you know, Okay, I can't help you there. Like I said, sometimes I feel like I'm talking to a big, fat, wet bag of sand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Where's CNN when you need it? I need a lobotomy. Let's watch CNN. I, I think I'm going to cut my cable. I've been thinking about it. My little box upstairs in, a, in the uh, master bedroom little set-top box that I had all that problem with, and a cable guy came over and blah, 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 and all that stuff. However, and I told you about him. That box went dead again. Which means that the little power pack supply thing that he's plugging into the, you know, wall socket or whatever is, it's dying. And the only way it would die is if the actual cable box itself had some kind of a fault inside of it whereby it was sucking down too much amperage. And then it would tr- trigger the, you know, the, the, the built-in uh, uh, fuse. So now we got two times in a row that that box is now dead. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, John, it's time to come to a reconciliation of reality here. Do you really give a darn about whether or not you can watch Fox and CNN for $110 a month in cable TV payments? Because you're not watching any of the other channels anyway, and you're rarely ever watching CNN and Fox. So why are you doing it for that much money? How much has this apocalyptic, dorked up, impossible mask wearing inside of cars world, fluoride drinking, reptilian shape-shifting, Hillary Clinton speaking, boulder dash, puking garbage world, full of Amy aliens and demons? How is it that you are still paying one hundred and something a month? or something that you never, ever use, and makes you nauseous when you accidentally hear it. Calling them to bring me out another power supply. I'm gonna call them to come and take three boxes back to their office and cut my bill by a hundred dollars a month. I'll rechannel that money over. Oh no, I said the word channel. Oh no, I must be of the devil. He's a channeler. He's a channeler. Uh, I'm just gonna refunnel that money over and probably just you know dump off my. HELOC. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Surprise, it's women spearheading massive pro-life movements. And it goes on to a story, you know, my body, my choice, blah, 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 not so fast. And explains that, you know, the pro-life went. There's, like, gazillions of pro-life women uh, that are out there protesting and uh, standing on their beliefs in, uh, you know, the truth, the Bible, the way it is, for real. All right, which is awesome. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. World Health says, uh, says aware uh, – I don't know why this is such bad English, but it says, Who says aware of 131 monkeypox human cases in 70 non-endemic countries? So according to, to this article, we're up to 131 cases, 17 countries, probably a lot more than that. All right, next one up. Hallelujah. Putin will be gone by 2023 according to xmi MI6 uh head uh you know, head guy. <laughs> it doesn't say what level he's at. It says a former British spy chief sees Putin's downfall within months. As Russia intensifies its effort to hold uh onto Eastern Ukraine, <laughs> I'm sorry, but if anybody had any idea what was actually going on over there, <laughs> Russia is mowing them over <laughs> it's like it's like effortless. I'm not saying that they're not losing people here and there. That would be silly. That's not it it's um I don't know trying to think of an analogy um it's no match it's no match as a matter of fact <laughs> if they wanted to they would already have taken over all of ukraine and that would be that it would be done if they wanted to if they really really did what they could do and they weren't pussyfooting around and being very careful and god bless them for doing this being as careful as they can be to avoid collateral damage and hurting the civilian population, then this would be over by now. Okay, the problem is that most people are not watching. They don't know what kinds of weaponry. They don't see what's happening. They don't see the thousands upon thousands of Ukrainian soldiers and Azov battalion members, which are truly Nazis, giving up, you know, literally throwing themselves on the ground, thousands of them, and just handing them over to themselves over as prisoners of war. Letting it, the whole world, you know, making announcements on video cameras and telling everybody, we cried out for help. We We begged the Ukrainian government to to bail us out, to send us more weapons, to send us more ammunition. There were thousands and thousands of us. We were trapped, and we begged for help, and nothing happened. And then Russia went in and said, hey, you want some chow? How about some beans, man? You want some ribs with that? Come on. And they would take them back, take care of them, give them three hots on a cot, and even give them phones to call home and say, "Hey, mom, I'm alive." <laughs> but if you listen to the you know, CNN, it's like they're, you know they're chopping people into pieces, which is absolutely ridiculous. It's the other way around. Oh, anyway, praise God, thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Hey we go. Putin's own men are already discussing who will who will replace him. First off, if he is sick, then that would be normal. So it's not really even a headline. If he isn't sick, then it's propaganda and baloney, and I don't even care about it. So at the end of the day, what's happening is happening. And in reality, what's, what's actually happening isn't really that important to the rest of the world what's really happening is what they said would happen a special operation to clear out the Nazis that were slaughtering little children which they have many photographs of and they were able to reveal exceedingly illegal unbelievably satanic sinister seething evil bioweapons labs that were owned by the Pentagon, Soros, Fauci, Gates, the World Economic Forum. They busted them. And nobody's listening, which, of course, (laughs) who would expect anything less, right? Amen. Praise God. Next one up. Oh, for goodness sakes. Next one up. Russian Chinese strategic bom- bombers complete 13-hour-long patrol over the Sea of Japan. This is what I'm talking about. It it used to be just like a couple of jets, guys. I'm just trying to let I'm trying to help you remember, you know, because a lot of people won't remember. They won't remember because they were busy doing this, that, or the other thing. They weren't woke up at the time that, you know whatever. Folks, when I'm telling you, when I'm reading a headline that there's, you know, this large number of bombers on a very long mission in a patrol over a particularly sensitive part of the world, these are firsts. They may not seem like firsts. You may have heard similar headlines five years, ten years ago. These are way bigger. If you saw a couple of Chinese or whatever uh, jets flying overhead and it was a big international incident and they came on the White House and they made reports and they were like, oh, this is the most terrible thing. We cannot believe our airspace has been invaded by Chinese uh, fighter jets. You know, big doggone deal. Well, guess what? That's very different than a, you know, squadron of 30 or 40 You know, nuclear-capable bombers just kind of taking their sweet old time cruising across the entire country to send a message. Very different. And these are the kinds of deltas that we're seeing right now and the reports that we were seeing years ago versus what we're seeing today. This is a ramp-up. This is the winds of war in progress when 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 the winds of war are beginning to blow the 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 reports become more magnanimous. Oh, it's not just- oh my goodness, I saw a couple of Nazi soldiers with my binoculars, you know a, a couple of hundred yards away from me no there's <laughs> a blitzkrieg running through your local town. The Nazis are in there eating twinkies in your seven eleven, but you know. Anyway. All right. Next one up. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The FBI, U.S. active shooter incidents jump up by 52% in 2021. And most of us have heard what happened in Texas. You know, I got a lot of queries from people outside of the United States, you know, asking questions like, you know, how come how come there's all this kind of weirdness happening in the United States? You know, and what's up with all the guns and everything? Um, now. I'm not going to get in – forget the gun thing because I've already done my preaching, my teaching, my anointed revelation from the Holy Spirit of God after years of prayer, and in detail I have the radio show up. I've done that work. The work is complete. Now, that being said, uh, the real reason why there are increases of such events across the this country – Uh, I'm not, you know, there are other countries too, but more so in this country is because of satanic ritual abuse and disassociative identity disorder. Okay, you know, multiple personalities. S R A D I D Creates mind control slaves. These are very much like the Born Identity super soldiers, all that kind of stuff. Where they give them a code word, they're pre-programmed to go out, grab a gun, do this. You know, go you know go postal on an entire uh, you know town, shoot a bunch of people in a school. I don't care what age, It doesn't matter what age. They're pre-programmed. There have been books on this subject and the techniques that have been used by the darkness to do these things now. For wow. 60, 70, 80 years. There's the one written by uh Fritz Springmeier. Uh I don't know. It has a to- title like, you know, uh how to create a perfect perfect uh mind control slave or something like that. And it explains the actual techniques, but it's nothing new. They've been doing this for a really long time. Doesn't matter if they're 17 years old, doesn't matter if they're 18 years old. They, it, it, you know, if you understand how SRIDID works, A lot of the parents who have children who are being ritually abused and mind-controlled and being programmed to do horrible things, a lot of their parents don't even know it's happening to their kids. And you're like, no way, that's impossible. No, it is very possible. And that's unfortunately part of the reality. So when you go all the way back to the Aurora theater shooting, Charlie Hebdo, uh, the Pulse club, uh, the six, seven people that were shot by uh, the snipers in Dallas, uh, the the six officers that were killed in, uh, you know, uh, 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 gosh, uh, not Coral Springs. What was the name of the town outside of Denver? But, you know, It's endless. San Bernardino. Uh, Las Vegas. Jason Aldean concert. You're like, oh, well, no, they just made a phone call to one of their top secret FBI agents. And, you know, no, these are all mind control slaves. They can't really afford to have somebody walking around that was cognizant of the fact that they did what they did. However... If they use a mind control slave through SRA, DID, and other drugs and weird things that they do to them, like you like you see in the movies, which is very very real, when they do that stuff, they don't have to worry about the person going to the cops and saying, "Hey man, this is what happened to me." Blah blah blah. First uh, first and foremost, even if they did have a full recollection, total recall, like in the movie, uh, you know, uh, with Schwarzenegger, you know about you know, no. It don't matter because if they had total recall and they went to the police and told them what actually happened to them, the police would be like, yeah, sure, kid, go home. Get yourself an ice cream cone or something. Maybe go to church. They wouldn't believe anything that the person said anyway. So it's almost like the perfect psycho, weird, satanic, horrible, well, it is, and we're in the midst of it. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. Next, headline up. All right, monkeypox games could lay groundwork for world health organization pandemic response takeover. There's so much going on with this stuff. I mean, you know, there's so many people that believe that they're going to use monkeypox as this vehicle of evil to, I don't know, fully engage the global 2.0 reset. Now, what's fascinating is while there are people out there hypothesizing about that, simultaneously you have, I think, smarter people saying that the World Economic Forum, the Gateses, the Faucis, the evil, the seeding, the Soros, the Satanic, the baby killing, the ritual abuse, all that horrible stuff – That is behind that which God will destroy with nuclear bombs directly from Russian uh, submarine, uh, you know, nuclear submarines, SLBMs, seven minutes to impact. They're surrounding the country now. If you're afraid of nuclear bombs and don't sleep tonight because by golly, they're there. Seven minutes from the second that Putin makes a phone call and says launch, they press that button and -tick tick 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 and guess what? Seven minutes later, the best they can do is find Biden, which whatever he is, I don't know what he is, inside some kind of a restroom trying to relieve himself from all the Ritalin and other evil things that they injected into him to try to keep him functional. It's all beside the point. The point is it's game over already. All right? God has already decided. Our Father has already decided. It's written in our Bible. It's not going to be changed. You can't pray it away. Oh, but Lord, oh, but Lord, Lord, please, Lord Jesus, please. No. You're never, ever, ever going to pray away a prophecy that is written in the Holy Bible. Period. Period. And that means the United States will be absolutely vaporized by Russian submarine launched nuclear missiles, and probably ones that are launched from the air in a whole bunch of different ways, vaporized burnt from end to end, like P D. Hale said when the Lord took him into the future and let and took him over the United States, flew him over to the United States, showed him the country after the global thermonuclear attack. Shoot it to him. And all he saw was that it was burnt. Burnt from end to end. Exactly like the Bible says. All I pray is that if I'm unfortunate enough to still be here when that happens, that one of those things hits my house head on. Praise God, thank you Jesus. All right, hallelujah. Uh D B D B D B says uh the United Nations reports more than 100 million people are forcibly Displaced in the world Okay we have another report that says torrential Rains and floods leave 100 dead In India and Bangladesh by the way These floods are happening all over the world I can't even begin to name Is probably more than 20 or 30 Different countries that are getting absolutely Decimated by floods and Pretty soon it will be decimation By floods and horrific uh, You know firestorms Alright another headline reads Fire in the sky watch out for comet SW3 it may cause a a massive meteor shower with more than 1,000 fireballs per hour in late May. Well, it's May 25th right now, and I have visions and prophecies that indicate that at some point the United States will be showered with meteors. Not big ones, little ones. All the way from Texas into the Virginias, and it will cause incredible fires across the country. By the way, that prophetic event is separate from everything else. It's like its own standalone apocalyptic event. We don't know. We have this last report here, the European Union, and it's not just the EU. It's... (laughs) so perfectly planned out. It's like the perfect storm. It's unbelievable. But basically, the whole world has given away all their weapons, all their ammunition, and all their tanks, and all of their heavy, heavy equipment everything to the Ukrainians. But that was part of the plan. Hope that you do. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And on that note, let's go ahead and bring on Sister Karen. Pray, praise God. I am so looking forward to this testimony. Um, I pray that it, I know that. No, as a fact, I know it as a fact, as a fact that this is going to powerfully bless you and to many of you who have been in miracle filled Uh, You know, um, uh, you know, baptism of the Holy Spirit filled, tongue speaking filled, laying hands on the sick filled churches for your entire walk in Christ. This testimony will wake you up. Hallelujah. And thank you, Jesus. Here we go. Are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Praise God. I'm glad you're here, and I'm excited, excited—I'm real excited about you joining us tonight. And, um, uh, you know, like I I told people, I I did a longer than normal um, introduction to why I brought you on the program, Uh, not because, you know, your testimony isn't about shape-shifting reptilians and strange aliens from different planets and universes, but um, it was more about Our belief systems, because your testimony breaks down the common belief systems that rob people of miracles that Christianity embraces. Particularly if they are a part of churchianity uh, that is what considers itself to be Holy Spirit-filled, miracle, you know, you know the whole Assembly of God, uh, Pentecost, all that kind of stuff. You know, because that's where I come from, and that's the world they walk in, that's the belief system they walk in, but your testimony is just for them. It wakes them up to help them understand that what they have been believing now for 40, 50 more years isn't the way it really works. It works the way the Bible. Says it works, praise God! And um, so, what a blessing! So, so happy that you join. You're joining us tonight uh, to share this testimony. I am going to, as usual, fade back into the background, grab my little virtual folding chair, and turn the mic over to you. And as you feel led, um, I am praying that you will. I please, Lord, that you will bless every listener so that they can hear the whole story, the emotions behind it, the players behind it, the, the, I don't want to say the actors because it sends a wrong message, but really in this testimony, it is made up of a lot of people that are very real, a part of your life and became a part of my life as I read the testimony and, (sighs) and that emotional connection for me was life-changing, and I think it's going to be uh, just that way for many, many people. Praise God. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. The microphone is all yours. God bless you.
3: (laughs) Wow, that is just such an introduction. I'm blown away. Um, I just want to say that I am encouraged myself whenever I share this testimony because uh, it was It was just a really amazing thing that God did in my life and all the people that were involved around it. Um, It was like I was in the middle of this story, kind of in a very awkward position, suffering in the hospital. But God was moving people that were around doing things in their lives at the same time. It was like he was weaving in and out of this whole piece of art that he was creating um, for his glory. Because ultimately, this story is just all about God getting the glory. Um, so I, I, when I sent you this, it was kind of funny because I had the same experience where I had wanted to send you my testimony in the past and I just didn't really, I don't, I don't know I wanted to, I didn't, I, I thought Well, maybe he doesn't want to listen to it. But then I was invited a few weeks ago to it, back to the church where this happened and um, my pastor, Dale, who you'll hear about. He was amazing. He um, wanted me to share it at the church. And then his wife, Lou, asked me to go on a women's retreat and share there as well. And it was just such a blessing to kind of leave my job for a week, go to Arkansas where I lived, And um, I just really, I had such a great time, but I was, made this testimony because I wanted to be prepared and have it written down. So that night, When I came back and I was still all the the wonderful feeling of of stepping out and I felt like something shifted in my life by sharing this testimony and it also woke me up like a smack in the face because I had shared the testimony. But, like, people weren't really hearing the testimony. And was I not telling it right or were people just – it was so huge that they didn't want to hear it. It was too much for them to really comprehend so I was so thankful I wrote it down in this way, and I kind of gave it to the Lord. Like, I'm going there. I'm going to read it. I'm go to this woman's retreat. I'm going to read it. And God, whatever you want to do, just do it. And um, so that night, when I couldn't sleep either. I was just, I had a big thing at work the next day because I had been gone. And, i am you know, I went through the, the laundry list of why am I awake, who I have to pray for, is somebody in trouble, going through the kids, going through the family. And then all of a sudden, you popped in my head. Like you need to send it to Johnny, and that's when I, you know, I was in the middle of the night and I'm typing up this email to you, like, hey, I wanted to send you this testimony, here it is. But I don't think it was that long. It made me sound like I sent you like a, you know, a huge folder. But maybe it is. um I don't think it's as long as an hour and the, the time for the show tonight. But um, we'll see how long it goes. I. I added a few other interesting things to it that I hadn't put in before just because I've learned from sharing it since there's some people reminded me of some things or they just they, they thought that that was important. See, I don't remember a lot of it myself personally because I was so sick in the hospital. So I've had to rely on other people's experiences and what God in, did in their lives to help me. But let me just pray and I'm going to read it like you asked me to do to come on the show and read the testimony. So, Lord Jesus, I just thank you for giving me this opportunity tonight. It is just a wonderful privilege and an honor to share the story of your glory, of what you did in a little tiny town, a little tiny church in Arkansas, that the people's lives that you touched, Lord, and I believe the ripple effects are still everywhere, God, and I'm so grateful that you gave us the faith and the courage to walk through this time of really great suffering, Lord, for you, and um I just want everyone that's here listening that they would just be willing to, to listen, that their Lord, you would give them ears to hear and a heart to just be hungry for God's word, to be hungry for seeing God move in this day when we are in such need of seeing you move in people's hearts Lord, so that people would be free and be saved in the name of Jesus. Okay. So I, about um, almost 24 years ago, This was the time of the year that I was leaving the hospital um, in Arkansas. I had been a patient there since February, pretty much, with one trip home, only to quickly return. My pastor's wife, Lou, drove me home with an oxygen tank by my side, but I didn't use it, and that was a miracle. The doctor said I would be on oxygen the rest of my life. They said my lungs were permanently scarred. They wanted me to go to a real to a rehabilitation center, but God, but God had a different plan. In Arkansas, the spring was exploding all over the landscape as we drove back to Eureka Springs. It was so crisp and new. I felt like I had never seen anything so beautiful. In the last three months, I had been in the hospital, and my life took a turn down a road that nobody wants to go. Luke twenty-two thirty-one says. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith would not fail, and that when you have turned back, you would strengthen your brothers. Now, I would like to share with you tonight the amazing work that our Lord did for all of us during this miraculous time. My husband and young son and I were led to come to Berryville Christian Fellowship several months before. And we asked Pastor Dale and his Lou, his wife, to lunch, and we shared with them that I was HIV positive. They were supportive and made us feel loved and welcome. See, in those days, there was still so much stigma attached to that disease, and we moved to Arkansas in April 1996. I was newly married and pregnant, and we needed to find an OBGYN. We found one in Fayetteville, an hour and a half away, but... We had to wait for their approval from their team to see if they felt capable and comfortable delivering our child. I also had to see a very special HIV doctor in Fayetteville, and she was very good at scaring us. The news was always grim, and it was always a battle. We chose, though, to stand firm on God's word and his promises for our son, was a boy, to be born healthy. And he was, praise God. Now, my life had taken a terrible sharp turn in 1992 when I was diagnosed with HIV. The difference now was I was a believer in a big God, a God who did miracles, and I was believing for a big one, complete and total healing. I was saved April 1st, 1993, on Easter Sunday. I accepted the Lord pretty much out of weariness. I was trying to do it all myself. I was trying to be healed on my own. Everything from new age gurus to crystal meditations to even taking 150 vitamins a day. When a wonderful friend of mine really begged me to go to church, I went to shut her up. And I ended up on the grass of a high school football field crying and thanking God that my load had been lifted. I didn't really follow the Lord until later that year. In 1994, there was an earthquake. And then on April 1st, I went to a Benny Hinn crusade filled with the Holy Spirit, and he even called out my name in the service. There was a point when he was praying for certain diseases, and I felt like something pushed me back in my chair three times, and then I started shaking all over. And thats it's interesting to note here that I had a real problem with Benny Hinn. I didn't know before I was saved, I thought he was just kind of a whack job, but when God tells you to go somewhere and you're hungry for healing you do what he says and I went there and I met people in the line that looked normal they were like smoking and they were but everybody was singing hymns and they were reading their bibles and I I just went to them and I'm like can I hang out with you because this place is strange to me but then when I was up in the back of the corner of that crusade with 40,000 people and the Lord touched me I could not deny that something happened Um, I knew that I was changed. I knew that I was brand new. In 2 Corinthians um, 5 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. I started going to church to the one that I was saved at the year before, and I felt the Lord lead me to go to a college group. That was where I met other Christians my age. The first night I was there, I was so excited and on fire about what God did about the Benny Hinn crusade that I just got up and I shared my whole testimony, how I was touched and believed Benny Hinn at the service. I had nothing to lose. See, Jesus was just everything. I wanted to share him. I wanted to talk about him. I think I kind of freaked people out still, but that's another story. But two things did happen that night. One, someone gave me a book of healing scriptures. And the other one was I met my future husband. I politely said thank you for the book and the man, nice to meet you, but I didn't know that those two things were going to help me get through one of the most difficult seasons of my life. Now, jumping ahead in Christmas um, 1997, our little family had traveled to Hawaii for a vacation. It was a present from my husband's mother. We spent two weeks traveling around Honolulu, and now my child was one years old. Um, Then we went back to Los Angeles for Christmas, and I was completely exhausted. Then one morning, I woke up, and I felt like there was a brick on my chest. I could barely walk up or down the stairs. I rested. I took antibiotics, but I'd never felt like this. And somehow inside, though, I knew I had to get back to Arkansas. So I finally felt well enough to travel. My son and I flew back, and when I landed in Fayetteville, I saw my husband's face and How awful I must have looked. On the trip there, I had totally broken out in hives all over myself. I was so ashamed and tired and embarrassed. I also had met this man on the plane, though, and God is so amazing how he gives you divine appointments. He was like from some church in Texas, and we got to talking. I kind of told him my situation, and he got so fired up. He started praying for me. We were singing. We were, we were having like church on the plane. <laughs> I just think back on that, and I don't even know where, where the guts came. Like there was just, I was so desperate to see God move that I didn't even care what anyone thought. I didn't care that everyone was looking at us. And I guess that man called several times when I was in the hospital and just kept praying, which I think is pretty amazing. Um, well, we went home, and I was sick still but we just kept living I mean I was mom I was wife I had a baby I was tired and I didn't feel well but I didn't know that I was going to feel worse and worse then one day I almost passed out at the grocery store and that really scared me I was getting weaker and weaker and one night Pastor Dale and Lou his wife called to check on me and I begged them to come over and just help me pick up the baby toys you see, my husband liked to have the house a certain way and I found that very stressful and it was a very humbling experience to ask someone to come over and just help you pick up the house. But I was so exhausted I couldn't do anything. Thank you, God, in James four, six, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God was about to pour out an abundance of grace on our little family. Now Sunday came that week and I told myself I had to go to church. I was so weak at this point. I didn't understand what was happening to me, but I knew I had to go to church. I needed the prayer support. I felt like church is where you get healed. I'm not saying that's true, but that's what I was feeling. And I remember it being very cold on that February morning and putting on several layers and how hard it was just to dress myself. And I remember going to church and deciding, making a choice that I was going to stand up in front of the whole church and tell them, that I needed prayer because I couldn't breathe very well. Now, much of my story at this point may seem difficult to explain, but frankly, I don't remember everything, so I'm going to trust on other people to help me. Now, Dale, my pastor, had just come from a conference down at um, Mike Bickle's Church at IHOP, and he brought me a wonderful CD by an artist named Scott Brenner, and that the music became very important to me. Administered to my soul. I started listening to it, and I couldn't stop. I felt like having the music changed the atmosphere in the room. It brought me encouragement and hope and so much peace. I'm so grateful to Dale for doing that. Uh, Now, this um, was an interesting experience that happened to me before I ended up going in the hospital. And I feel like it was a seed that God was planting in my heart to prepare me for what was about to happen. But I had a series of dreams and kind of visions before I got to the hospital. And one night, um, the first one was I just felt shaking all over my body. I felt like um, like God's power was coming on my body, and I felt this great force that my body reacted that way. Um, I'd been in meetings, and I felt like a little bit of shaking, like my foot or my hand, but this was like everywhere. And my husband sat next to me and just watched. And we just experienced that for a while. And then the second vision, I felt like I saw God's glory in my hands. And I felt as though I was being given a sword. My hands were being lifted up in the bed. And I felt like a sword was being placed in my palms. And he said, what's happening? And I said, I think God is giving me sword. And he said, why? And I said, I don't know. And we just cried. Now, Ephesians 6 says, the sword, the word of the Lord is the sword of the spirit. Now, the third vision I had, I saw a painting like words on my chest, and it said, the word. Then I fell asleep and I had a dream. And in this dream, I was dancing in front of God's throne in heaven. I didn't see the throne. I just knew it was there. And I had a golden ribbon. And I danced and I bowed in celebration in front of God's mighty throne. It was so beautiful and free. And then I remember there was a great eruption of tears. And soon after that, I had a second dream. And in this dream, there was a tree next to my bed. It was like a small tree, like a dwarf tree. And the fruit seemed to be like a cherry or some kind of red fruit. But the tree was full of fruit, overflowing, and the fruit was dropping all over the floor, even on my bed. And my thought was, that's a mess, which I think is funny now, but God, I'm just going to leave it there. Then the next thing that happened to me was I just froze in my bed, immobilized, and I, I wouldn't sleep. And I said to my husband, Spirit of the Lord is upon me, which is Isaiah 60, 1. 1. Then we prayed for our family. So the last thing that happened to me was I looked all over the room, and it just seemed to be glitter everywhere I looked. And I felt like I was seeing God's glory. So those were kind of some strange things that happened to me before I went to the hospital. But remember the word of God says that in Isaiah, that my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, and my ways are higher than your ways, and so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Isaiah 55, 8. So I just felt like I wanted to share that with you. So on February the 13th at 2 a.m., it was a bitter cold night and my husband woke me up. He decided he needed to take me to the hospital. He told me later that once my breathing hit a certain amount, at that point he would take me. He picked me up and carried me to the car where he gently laid me on a bed of blankets. The next thing I remember, I awoke to muffled voices and lights and then I realized that my husband was dropping our son off at someone's house The first thing I remember was Dale and Lou's faces in my face smiling and happy and I realized we were at the hospital they were just telling me everything was going to be fine and not to worry and then I remember seeing a nurse behind them and she did not have the same face <laughs> she was like a very serious face so I was put in a room, and they assessed the situation, and a few, year, few hours later, I was being transferred to a, a hospital in Fayetteville. Now, the ambulance driver was very kind, and because here I am in this boldness thing, I asked him if he was a Christian, and he said yes, so I politely asked him to say some healing scriptures for me, and I remember him looking at me very surprised, and um, like probably never that happened to him before. But our drive was long. It was an hour and a half, and I needed my mind to stay focused. So when we got to the hospital, this was what I was very anxious about, meeting the HIV doctor. I felt like all the things that she had scared me about were happening, and I prayed that God would give me eyes of faith. Let's just say God always has a plan. We can't always know his plans. He just wants our trust always. So I have this side note that I remembered when I was writing this up, time in the summer before all this happened, when, you know, you know God's talking to you because the thought that comes in your head has absolutely nothing to do with what you're doing. And what happened to me was I felt like I heard the Lord ask me, what what would you do, what would a child do if you gave them a million dollars? What would they do with that money? And I guess I said, well, probably spend it on foolish things. And then I felt like, well, maybe your healing is that way. Maybe you have to go through something. And I remember pausing in my brain, kind of thinking about that. And then my gut reaction was, well, you just get right behind me, Satan. I'm not listening to that. But then, reflecting months later, I just wonder. If maybe the Lord in his goodness and mercy was maybe giving me a heads up. Well, um, when the HIV doctor came and met us in the emergency room hall, her face was full of warmth and compassion. And I didn't feel scared anymore. And then I was put in a room and there were many tests that were starting and tubes were sticking in me. And I felt, I just felt kind of like a bowl of spaghetti. Um... My husband and I were very scared, and we prayed. We were in a dark room together and holding hands, and as we prayed, suddenly we did feel like there was a holy presence among us. And um, he suddenly said, Gabriel's here. And I asked him, why? And he said, I think he's just making sure we're okay. And we cried together. Both of us had the feeling like God was doing something, and we were just watching. So the next day was Valentine's Day, and my husband gave me a dozen red roses, but they wouldn't let them be in my room. So I had a wonderful nurse, Karen, and of course I always remember her name. She placed them in a window outside my room, and she told the nurses to make sure that I could see them. It was Valentine's Day after all, and he had brought me flowers. So Karen, the nurse, gave all the shift change orders and she let them know that it was very important that I see the flowers. She took such good care of me. And I'm so grateful to all the nurses who did extra things to take any, anything they did. But that is such an amazing um, gift of mercy that nurses do. But this girl, I mean, she went the extra mile. Just made me look better. She made me feel better about myself. She painted my nails. She even cooked me food from her house because she knew that the hospital food wasn't the greatest, and she made me fried chicken, peas, bread with real butter. I will never forget that meal. Thank you, Karen. You were like an angel. I could see. So this first day at the hospital is kind of hard to remember. Remember, I didn't. I didn't like the meds that they gave me, and I think it was morphine. But I asked them to never give it to me again because I felt like my body my left i felt like i left my body and i remembered like hiding out underneath the the hospital bed and thinking this is crazy i do not want to do this ever again i did a lot of breathing treatments and there were a lot of inhalers and tents and tubes and about friday february 22nd that was when they released me to go home i had now been in the hospital for 9 days and home was waiting for me a very large tank of oxygen that I had to breathe. I still remember that awful noise that it made, as if it was like a large beast snoring in our bedroom. But during this time at home, I met some nice visitors. Some prayer warriors came, and even a healing evangelist came, and he laid his whole body right on top of me, like Elijah did in the Bible. And God did miracles during that time, too. And remember, I was open to whatever God wanted to do, I just wanted to be well, and I was standing on his word. I just remember looking at people's faces, and they were discouraged because because I didn't, like, jump up. They were praying and believing that something amazing would happen, and I felt like I was discouraging them, but I was just waiting for the right time for God to do it. I knew he was going to do it. Now, my husband did a wonderful thing for us and others. He placed our wedding picture, which was in a beautiful silver frame that we got from Mexico in our hospital room for everyone to see. It was definitely something encouraging to look at and remember because how I looked at the hospital and how I would look when I was sick was not really good. So just to remember and see how I could look or how I did look was just me and I think helpful to others. So when I was home, it didn't last very long. Soon the nurses said, "You know, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to go back to the hospital. And the ambulance showed up, and you'll never guess who was there. It was Charlie, my ambulance driver. He was there in the ambulance, and guess what? He had a bunch of healing scriptures, and he was ready to recite them. It was awesome. Praise God. So during that time, they were giving me so much medicine that I felt like I drank about 100 cups of coffee, literally. And it must have been speed or like speed. Could have been speed. I, but I was just absolutely miserable I was shaky and stressed and I couldn't sleep my heart was racing but I wanted to write down the bible verses from the book that I had got so long ago at that first meeting it was called Heals of Cancer by Dodie Osteen and um, Proverbs 4 says do not let his words depart from your eyes keep them in the midst of your heart For they are life to all who find them and health to your whole body. So I asked my husband to get me some poster boards. And I wrote out the healing scriptures one by one from the Dottie O's book. And my hands were shaking so much. I remember I used to love to write. I thought I had good writing. I had to go over my letters and over my letters because they looked so bad and shaky. But finally, I made them decent enough so we could put them up on the walls so that I could keep looking at those verses. Other people also made me verses, and this is where some of the kids at the church, they had coloring pages, and they drew me pictures, and they wrote, nothing is impossible for God, and it was wonderful and amazing, and those are also on the wall. In fact, my walls were full of God's promises. I don't think you were supposed to do that, but honestly, nobody said anything, but then this is where also the music came in. I mean, I came there with the boom box ready. And that's what it was in those days—the big boxes, no little Bluetooth speakers. You had to bring a big, a big tape player. There wasn't even CDs when to date myself here. But I had music on in that room twenty-four. Seconds. If I woke up and it wasn't going, I would be writing a note: "We need more batteries." Because something about that music—it was, it was just keeping, keeping the presence of God in that room. It was, it was like the conviction of God. There was something just something so powerful about that music playing and there was a couple of kinds of there was one another friend made me that was more of like early um hosanna music or something but it was like almost marching songs warfare songs and now i knew none of these songs before and i would just play them with the need if i was struggling more i would have to play like you know all things are possible, and just—I mean—I was just in my bed, just marching this out, and then I would switch back to the Scott Brenner CD for when I was sleeping at night, and just those two, just rotating back and forth and back and forth. But at night came, if I called for something, there would always be someone in the room with me. They would be sleeping in the chair, and the music would always be playing. And um, I—I had a friend was interceding in prayer for me, and she realized that I was having trouble sleeping because she thought that I was having tormenting dreams. So they began praying for my mind to have peace. They thought that maybe I had watched something on television or something in my mind that was tormenting me. I believe it was just spiritual warfare. I mean, it could have been something that I saw as a child, some kind of bad movie as a teenager, but since this happened, I have had very serious attacks on my life, and I remember this was like spiritual warfare. Trying to destroy my faith and cause fear to take over. Because 2 Corinthians says, ten four through 6, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We must bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. But since the hospital experience, I had had some things in my life, like I said, take over. I had had such tormenting dreams where I would be thrown around the house, and it was just very demonic. And now I realize it was kind of the same thing. Because remember, John 10.10 says, kill and destroy, but I have come to believe that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. I am so thankful that my husband had someone with me in that hospital day and night. And whoever you are, thank you very much. Because this church we had, they were so willing to give time, energy, finances, whatever it was that we needed. They helped us with our son. They were just constantly there, constantly helping us, constantly giving. Um, It was like, it was all of us doing this together. So now we're at March 9th. I have been in the hospital for 12 days, and I am now being moved to ICU to be put on 100% oxygen with the mask. The church came over to the hospital now, and the church—we're looking not. This is an hour and a half from where our church is. So the church is like maybe fit I don't even know how many people. It could be 50. Could be 75 people came to the hospital. And they blew the sofa, And I do remember my husband pointing that out to me and pulling the curtain back and saying, look, they're here. They're letting you know. They're praying. But the next day, I was put on a ventilator. The doctors were going to do a biopsy of my lungs, and they couldn't figure out why I was so sick. The doctors did, in fact, two biopsies at different times of my lungs. The first one, they didn't completely put me under, and I could hear everything they were saying. I could hear how they were talking about maybe it's cancer, and surely she's going to die. On the second biopsy, I didn't completely get paralyzed, and my body apparently woke up, and they had to restrain me. So a few days later, on March 11th, the church got a call to pray. I was struggling to breathe with the ventilator, and I had to be put on marking. But one intercessor shared her dream. They called me at 4 a.m. to pray, and Karen is having breathing trouble. She didn't understand how to work with the ventilator, so they put her on morphine. I dreamt that she was in her hospital room, and they were discussing things about her. There were medical people and Jesus, and they were discussing, but Karen was just standing by and watching, looking peaceful and normal and smiling. Oh, she's up, I thought. What this means, I'm not sure. For now, I will continue to pray to pray and proclaim and call forth the things that are not as though they are. And then she prays this. So Noah put out his hand and took her, his dove, and asked into the ark for himself. So I think she was envisioning God, Noah, like our father, taking me and putting me into an ark to protect me. What a picture of God's peace. Noah representing God the Father, taking Karen, his dove, into the ark to have peace. What a powerful prayer. So on March 14th, the church is asked to pray for me. My blood pressure is dropping, and I have no immune system left. Now, a normal person has around 500 or more T-cells, and at this time, I have about five. The intercessor wrote that it is hard to see Karen at this point and believe for her healing, but Luke one hundred thirty seven says, For with God nothing will be impossible. Now it was probably around this time that my sister was there. All of my family had taken a turn to come. Now she noticed that the doctors decided to stop feeding me. The nutrition, the IV nutrition, was too expensive and they said I was going to die anyway. In fact she heard them say that. So she told my husband and he confronted them and told them that even if they had given up, we hadn't. And then he demanded that they give me the nutrition. I remember he thought this was good news. If they gave up, then God could now step in. It was then he went out and bought me a dress, and he hung it in the corner of the room, a beautiful purple flower dress, for me to walk out of the hospital wearing, he declared. Now that's faithful. Around this point, my pastor, Dale, came to me and he asked, Karen, is Jesus trying to take you home? I mean, it was hard. They were trying. They were praying. They were coming to the hospital. He was coming to the hospital and praying with me every day, driving an hour and a half each day. And it just looked like I was getting worse and worse. But I shook my head and I said, no, absolutely not. Okay, he said, we'll keep praying. Now March sixteenth, I have been in the hospital and I am just getting sicker and sicker. Much is from the drugs they're giving me. Now the church had a prayer meeting and they felt the atmosphere change. And Lou read the Song of Moses and the women danced around with trample with, <laughs> I'm sorry, with tambourines. I would have loved to have seen that. I might ask Jesus for an instant replay of that night. So James five sixteen says the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much during this week now I am heavily sedated they put a port in my chest and people said there was a very special presence in the room it must have been hard to see me at this point now Monday March 23rd Dale brought a prayer cloth to church for the prayer meeting where they all prayed in a circle around it and two days later on Wednesday my husband said the doctors just don't know what else they can do My lungs are hard. My body is not assimilating any of the nutrients in the feeding tube anymore. Everything is shutting down. They want to take me off the ventilator. It's doing all the breathing for me. My body is not functioning. The intercessors begin to pray for my husband that he'll know what to do. On Saturday that week, the nurses prepare me to go outside to see the sky one last time. I do remember this. It was hard. I saw my son, and he ran up to me, and I held him, and I cried so hard. It was just to be held, to hold him. I hadn't been able to do that. That night, the church had communion, and Pastor Dale had been given a word to be specific in prayer. They were to pray for new lungs and new blood, and so... I lost my place Okay So they prayed for miracles New lungs, new blood A miracle and gifts of miracles And Saturday that same day The church came to the hospital And had a powerful worship service under my window I have a letter that my sister I asked my mom to, to give me And this is probably the most painful letter That um, I've ever read But basically I think I'm telling you it you understand how sick I was but in this letter she is trying to prepare my dad um, to see me how to interpret what I need how to take care of me how to the things that might be scary and to not be scared of certain things I mean it was just it's awful to read my sister was in college and she came she came to help me and um, it was just hard on everyone so she was sending me that letter to prepare my dad So my dad came Sunday, March 29th is when the church, they had communion and they stand in the gap and they pray those prayers. And Monday, well, this is when my dad came. I was so nervous for him to come and see me in that vulnerable place that I ended up having such a severe anxiety attack that they tried to medicate me and they had a hard time doing it. Now the 31st, Suddenly, Dale and Lou are coming to visit like they normally come, only to find out that the head nurse, there's a new one on shift, and she is seriously enforcing the rules, and they won't, they're they not allowed in. Finally, they realize that the hospital is not considering me to be a terminally ill patient anymore. So what's changed? April 1st is a new year. It's the new Jewish New Year that year. And a side note, this is my spiritual birthday. This is the day that I got saved, and then I got filled with the spirit. It's the same day. My husband told me about the prayers. Oh, no, I'm getting off. Let just hold on for a second. So on that day, um, it's like the big miracle happened and I got my pages mixed up. Okay. So... On April 2nd, for the first day, April 1st is that spiritual birthday thing, and it's amazing. Nothing, I don't have any notes for that day except for it's my birthday. On the 2nd, this is the day that the respiratory therapist is realizing that my lungs are actually exercising themselves instead of relaxing. Now, I found out later that there had been a prophetic word that the Lord had given to my husband that I was getting new lungs. And they were like tiny balloons, you know, that they're hard to blow up. They have to exercise to really get used to having air in them. So I was actually fighting this respiratory machine to exercise my lungs instead of letting it do it for me, only to realize my lungs were working. So April 3rd came around, and they realized today they are going to take the ventilator out because they can't figure out why I'm fighting the machine. When they take the ventilator out, I am absorbing 97% of oxygen. And soon after that, my bowel started working. Well, that's an important thing. still funny to read, but that's a very important thing. All of that happened in one day. And April 4th to the 9th, I spent a little time in ICU, but between that time, I'm out of there. I am now out of ICU and in another room And nobody can really figure out what happened and how it happened. But my lungs seem fine. I'm very weak. And my husband takes the blood reports and he looks at them and he notices that I have absolutely no virus at all. The viral load test, which is the PCR test everyone knows about now because of COVID, um, measures the level of virus in your body and simple levels. Whereas before, they were in the hundreds of thousands. She brought it to the HIV doctor, and she was floored. She didn't even look at it. She just just I don't want to make a judgment on her. But she was surprised, and she couldn't believe what she saw. So now, nobody really understands what happened. People just start coming in the room and crying, and I'm just happy and hungry. I'll just say right now, I was really hungry because I hadn't eaten in months. I dreamed about food, and I thought about food, but I I couldn't eat anything. So they came in, and my first meal is just broth. And I thought, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. I need real food. And then my husband and I thought about Darius' daughter, how Jesus healed her and then said, give her something to eat. And that's what it felt like. I just needed some food, but they made me do it for a few days, and then I was, like, eating everything in sight. In fact, one day, Dale came to visit, and he just laughed and laughed because I, my face was full of this huge hamburger. It must have been like a half-pound hamburger and French fries, and I just I couldn't get enough of food, and thank God for everybody helping us to afford my, my massive feed um, diet that I had there. So we were just a few days away from Easter. And I asked them if Resurrection Sunday, if there was any way that they would just release me to go to church, but they said no. So we decided to just have church in our little hospital room. One of the doctors had come and brought us some white lilies, and my husband was a musician, so he was playing music. My little son was dancing around, and I was trying to sing, but... My throat was so damaged from all of the ventilator stuff that I must have sounded pretty bad. But I didn't care. I just was happy to praise the Lord and be thankful that I was alive. And the next few weeks, we were just marveling in what happened. But to be honest with you, it just kept going. The work started then because I was about 80 pounds at that point. I had lost all my muscle mass and I even had a beard, which, frankly, was really embarrassing from all the steroids, and I looked at my husband one day when I was just touching my face, and I asked him, and he just looked down and was like, uh-huh, and <laughs> it came out really soon after when the drugs stopped, but it was just like, oh, Lord, really? What else has to happen? I had had lots of injuries from that, and now I was so excited to be alive, but this is kind of like when the physical work started, and it was really a challenge. Everyone was coming in and they were so excited and I was just kind of angry. I was kind of frustrated because it wasn't easy to get better. It was a struggle. I had sores in lots of places and uh, from the oxygen, I had a very large sore in my nose and it was very deep. To this day, my nose is healed with a dimple and crooked, but that's okay. I don't I don't care. It's it's a war badge. You know, when I look at it, I think I can't believe that I went through that. I can't believe that I survived that my nose can look this way. It's fine. But there wasn't long after two weeks after maybe around the 15th that it was, we were being released from the hospital and I was weaned off oxygen completely. I had asked my husband, like I said, I don't want to be on this the rest of my life. Why would I want to do that? That doesn't sound very fun. And he said, well, let's pray. I'll believe with you. And we prayed, and the doctors would come in, and they were like, it's yeah, fine, let's remove a little more. Let's remove a little more. And um, I could then breathe without any oxygen at all. Of course, the day came for me to go, and they wanted me to bring an oxygen tank with me, but um, I didn't use it. And when we got wheeled out of the hospital, there was a nurse that followed us out, and she had been staying with us and hanging out in our room and having pizza with us and just having fellowships. All the nurses would come in and just hang out with us, and we would feed them and talk, and they would cry because they couldn't believe that I was so pink. so she had a beautiful singing voice, and she when they're wheeling me out, she just began to sing and it just echoed through the entryway of the hospital. And Lou was there with a couple of women from the church. And um, we got in the van and drove back. Um, My husband drove back with our son and they drove me back and everything was so beautiful in Arkansas. It is probably one of the most beautiful places on the planet in springtime with all the flowers and waterfalls and Oh, the colors were just, I felt like I'd never seen anything so beautiful. I just marveled at looking at everything as we drove back. And they asked if I wanted to get food. And I just, I felt so full. I didn't need food then. I was just, God was amazing. God filled me up. I couldn't believe what was happening. And we got home and I had a walker. And it, but it wasn't long until I was on my own and walking without it and The day that we got to go to church and Pastor Dale was up at the at the front and he saw me walking in and he said loudly, Well look who's coming into church (laughs) And I could I was just like a little kid. Like at Christmas, I was so happy to be there. I don't think I've ever been so happy to be in church in my life. Like we were here, I was here and we did it. And I had that purple dress on. Praise the Lord. It was amazing and this woman came and sat next to me and she just stared at me and stared at me. And I was kind of like, it's getting a little embarrassing. Like I knew I looked like, I was recovering from bad sickness, but come on. And she just started to cry. And she's like, you're not supposed to be that pink. Why are you that pink? It doesn't make sense. How can you be that pink? And I was just like, taking her hand like I didn't even have to say anything. Like just being there and being alive was all that, the statement that just all the praise that you had right there. Well, there was a lot of other things that happened afterward to praise the Lord about, like our giant hospital bill. And my husband said, no matter what, no matter if I have to pay a little bit for the rest of my life, it's worth it. And then one day we got the call from the hospital that said, they decided to forgive our bill completely, $135,000. They were just writing it off. And um, that was a miracle. That was another miracle. And then shortly afterwards, um, the disability people called me. (laughs) And they said, we want to set up your claim. We've got all your paperwork. We're all ready to give you the amount of money the government wants to give you for your accident and your disability. And I said, no, it's okay. I'm good. And they were like, what are you talking about? What do you mean you're good? I said, well, God healed me. I don't need disability because I'm not disabled. And they got angry. Like, are you kidding me? Do you know what we have to go through to get disability? You might not get this again. You're going to turn away free money? And I was like, well, yeah, because why would I take it? That's a lie, because I'm not sick. I'm healed. And they hung up the phone. (laughs) And I was just like, well, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Did a little praise dance there, because I'm not taking free money. I mean, actually, my husband thought, well, that might have helped us out. But no, no, we weren't going to do that. So there is just like so many things afterward to thank God about. In fact, he took me then We went to the Brownsville Revival after that because some of the people had come up and they visited our church. And they had come to the hospital. They had seen me. They see how sick I was. And they prayed at the church. They prayed for me. And I wanted to go down there. I wanted to see what it was like. And so as soon as I was well enough, we drove down to the revival. And um, we found those people. And they almost fell over. They couldn't believe that I was there, that I was alive. And they immediately took me back to uh, the evangelist's office and said he wanted to introduce, there's a girl, she's alive, she was dead, and she's alive. And, well, they they called me up on the stage that night when they did the testimonies, and we were able to share our testimony, and those tapes, they were videotapes (laughs) that went all over the world, shared the testimony of the girl who was healed and it was a miracle and i'm so glad that i got to proclaim that and i'm so glad that i get to proclaim it now and since then my life has not been all like you know flowers and chocolate it's been life like everybody else's life but i know i know what happened and i know that god does miracles and i know i shouldn't be here without his intervening and his grace and i have more children I have so many wonderful things that God has done since then. I am so blessed and I'm so blessed that I could share this testimony with you all tonight. And I don't know what else to say. I'm kind of feeling like that might be it for tonight. Unless there's anything else that you want to say, Johnny? <laughs>
2: Well, I just got done crying, and uh, my eyes are almost dry, so let me work on that a little bit here. Oh, man. Wow. See, you know, the thing about it is there's a lot of people out there that haven't lived through a lot of these things. They haven't experienced a lot of these things. They haven't. You know, to, you know, maybe they're more touched by this idea of somebody with Parkinson's their whole life, and then they jump out of a wheelchair and go woohoo and start running through the, you know, because somebody laid hands on them. But um, you know, in my walk, um, which is you know goes back to you know the age of five and six years old. Um, being immersed in miracle, tongue-speaking, Holy Spirit-filled churches my whole life, this testimony is more meaningful, more powerful, and more message, uh, not just a regular message, but a life-and-death message for the people of God. Because to your point You even mentioned it in part of your testimony Where people had You know started to ask the question You know is this Should we keep praying kind of a thing And um, because you're right That's exactly how churchianity The church is programmed They're programmed to You know you said you had spoken You had said in your testimony that there were Points in time where you had seen Some who had prayed That you saw the uh, expression of disappointment you know that they didn't see this miracle occur they didn't see a thousand angels a suddenly appear in this in the sky they didn't see you know <clears throat> and that mindset is poison yeah. to the faith that's required to bring about miracles under many circumstances and will be very um uh, uh beyond crucial there is no words that can describe if we don't learn the the moral of this story if we do not absorb the the crucialness the supreme importance there are i just can't even think of the words this is the quintessential testimony of the power of prayer that is so if we don't get it now we're going to watch in the days ahead many people that we love die needlessly because it is because we are programmed inappropriately and incorrectly and against the word of god to believe that by virtue of these five, six, seven, eight times when we've had these prayer circles, whatever, that that person should have received that prayer. And if they didn't, something was wrong. And that's a lie from the devil. And, and it, that makes this in my personal, <coughs> again, you know, 60 years from the age of six, immersed in Holy Spirit, tongue speaking, miracle filled churches from the age of six. I'm now 60. That makes this testimony bar none more important than any of the other ones because this is the way that God normally works. And it is our personal weakness in our walk with Christ that causes us to toss up the white flag at the very moment that we're about to receive the victory. And that's how the kingdom of God works. And until people get that through their thick heads, they're going to suffer needlessly. They're going to have losses needlessly. And in the days ahead, that perseverance, that faith, that praying through is going to be bar none the greatest part, the most important part of all of our walks. Because the moment that you stop praying, that's when everything's going to turn south. That's when the accuser of the brethren is going to accuse. That's when you have opened up those portals and you have released to the darkness your victory. Mm. And we cannot afford to do that. Not now, not tomorrow, not ever, and especially not in the days to come. And so many are going to. They're going to let it go. Because they're going to come up, the devil's going to implant into their head some reason why that individual was not deservant of receiving the healing or whatever the whatever it is. But the devil will find something to inject into their heads to make them feel like, well, you know, uh, we did what we could do and walk away. And that's going to result in some really Bad stuff happening to people in the in, 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 the, in the in the very near future, if not even the imminent future of the days that we're in right now. And that's what – that's. I am speaking from experience. I am here to tell you, folks, if you don't get this now, you are in for some dangerous days ahead. This is required. We are required to pray through. We are required to believe. We are required to buy those dresses. We are required to put those the scriptures up on the wall. We are required to believe so much and know that we 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 are going to get healed hallelujah and that is how it is and we don't give up we don't wave the white flag we never stop praying and we believe no matter what and if we hem and hall on this principle this one key principle the message of this the the, the moral of this testimony if we miss this The ramifications are going to be utterly unacceptable to our father and our king. In the days ahead, there are going to be lives that will be lost, people that will end up in hell because we stopped praying and that is not okay hallelujah thank you Jesus for this testimony uh, you know if if this can move a meathead like me after all of the years after all of the deception after all of the weirdness that I have gone through after all the unbelievable uh, you know uh, Benny Hinn type you know revivals and all the stuff even my own mother didn't receive her healing and, and died at the age of 56 and you know what it never stopped me No way, Uh, you know, whatever, whether she was a type of job or whatever the case is, I don't get my be in my bonnet about it. Okay, so she did it. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now let's move on to the next person. Okay, but we got jobs to do. We got things to believe in. We got people to save. We got souls. You know, you can't save the soul of a person that is dying on the side of the road. First they gotta be healed, then you save their souls. So we have work to do and that comes with that faith. Praise God. Thank you, Karen, for sharing this message because to those of those of us who truly get it, who have lived that life that was just short many times, because we stopped praying. To those of us who, who this is a reality, it teaches us a lesson that is 100% backed by Scripture, that is something that we all need to know, not believe, but know, and stand behind it and act just like your husband did, buy that dress, hang it on the wall, and know that you're going to be wearing it. And that is the level of faith that we all have to have to get through the days that we have ahead. Praise God. And that's what makes your testimony stand out amongst dozens. I would rather hear your testimony than a hundred testimonies of people going to heaven. Because comparatively speaking, for the days that we have ahead, yours is far more important for the saving of souls, for Jesus in the days Thank that we you, have. That. Praise God. Thank you so much.
3: Thanks for having me. <clears throat>
0: <laughs>
2: I'm sitting here with the tissue. <laughs> Praise <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> But anyway, thank you. I don't know what else to say, but thank you and praise God, and thank you for your courage. Thank you for coming on the program. Thank you for the thoroughness and the detail and the level of your testimony. Thank you for the message that it sends. Thank you for helping those of us. Not everybody's going to get it. There are going to be – I would say – this is just my off-the-cuff guess. If there's 50 people sitting in a room from all different walks of Christianity – there's going to be 5 of those 50 that this testimony flips their world upside down <laughs> changes their entire viewpoint of the importance of perseverance and prayer and and will ultimately result in the saving of many souls and the healing of many very hurt and sick people in the days ahead praise god and i i don't know what to say but When I sat there in the middle of the night, not able to sleep, probably a Uh divine appointment. (laughs) I'm sitting there bawling and going, this is important. This is huge. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, as I recall, I think I sent you an email and asked you to come on the program before I even went to bed that night. So thank you so Uh much for joining us. God bless you. What a powerful, powerful testimony.
3: Well, I'm just, you know, I'm so thankful to do this because it's like you said. I've shared my testimony over time, and very few people are willing to listen and get it. And I'm like, what's wrong with everyone? Why don't they? Why don't they understand? This is huge. And they're like, I just don't think people are willing to think about the reality of what that was, what we went through. And they, um, you know, they're I,
2: programmed. They're programmed by. False notions, false teachings, misunderstandings of the things that they're reading in the Bible, and they just don't get it. They just don't get it, and and I get, I get that. I mean I'm not accusing them. I'm not saying naughty, naughty, naughty pants on fire kind of thing. It's nothing like that because I've been there. I lived that. I know what it's like to be in that place. You have to be very, very grown up in your supernatural walk in power through Christ. Very grown up to get it. And there are very few that are. Very few. As a matter of fact, I would even venture to say that there's probably, if you took any given 100 churches in the United States of America... Okay? (laughs) And you gave that testimony, and then you gave them a little five-question quiz at the end of the testimony, multiple choice, pastors and elders (laughs) included. The vast majority would powerfully fail that quiz. Okay? (laughs) Because they wouldn't get it. It wouldn't make sense to them. It's only going to make powerful, powerful, powerful sense to those of us who have been walking in the supernatural, who have been walking in the world of miracles, who have been reading the scriptures, understanding, you know, have taken classes, have taken uh, training courses on divine healing, understand all the ramifications, the pros, the cons, the methods, the techniques, the tactics, all the stuff that goes along with it. And and then – The one piece, it doesn't matter how many divine healing courses you've taken. It doesn't matter how many seminars that you've gone to. It doesn't matter how many tent revivals that you've gone to and watched people miraculously healed by deadly cancer in a a moment's notice, throwing up all kinds of ugly stuff, and walking, you know, running through the church and saying, praise Jesus, praise Jesus, praise Jesus. You have to understand that this is the exception to the rule. This is the rule. This is the situation that is the most prominent it's those that we've lost because we gave up. That well, is you know, that is the vast majority of the testimonies that the Christian population should have had but have lost because they gave up. That's huge. That is unbelievable. That is the testimony for thousands of people that could listen to this program over years of time. Hopefully not, we're not here that long, but I'm just saying <laughs> – you know what I mean? They're going to listen to it, and they're going to be like, oh, my gosh. We were going to stop praying. This is also supported by the Kenneth Hagan uh, teaching, uh, uh, you know, the Believer's Authority. In his testimony, same thing happened. People didn't quit praying. There's many others, and it is the greatest – I would say the greatest travesty in the church Today people give up. They give up. They give up on their spouses. They give up on their kids. They give up on – the list just goes on and on. And guess what? When you give up, you have seceded the battle. The spiritual war is now over, and you have handed the victory flag to the devil. And that's literally the truth. And we it's it's – you're right. Most people – People are not going to get it. They're not going to get it, and they're not going to understand the significance, the the powerful, powerful significance of this lesson. And it is beyond important. Anybody can go, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, I command this body to be thou made whole in Jesus' name. Anybody can do that. And if there's enough faith in that room, that person may very well receive that miracle. And if there isn't enough, you, you can be darn sure that 99 out of 100 Christians sitting in that room will believe that there's something wrong with that individual and Satan has a right to, to inflict, uh, you know, the disease upon them or whatever the case is. Uh, it, it, it's wrongful and it's, it, I don't know, it drives me drives me crazy. But anyway, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Karen, for coming on the program. Because for the people that are advanced enough, for the people that are formally trained in spiritual warfare, for the people that do understand divine healing techniques, that understand the scriptures, for those people that are having a problem reconciling, putting beside to understand in first Corinthians chapter twelve the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, which include the the supernatural uh gift of the Holy Spirit of healing that's a separate one, and this and another gift separate gift called the gift of miracles, so there's a Holy Spirit gift of healing, and there's a Holy Spirit gift of miracles. Put the two together, and you get a miraculous healing. But that's only one Mm -hmm. kind of the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of healings that Mm -hmm. occur supernaturally due to prayer and the laying on of hands. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: That's the smallest percentage of all. And people don't get it. Anyway, thank you for coming on the program. Uh, I, I, words cannot describe to those that receive it. It is truly, I believe with all of my heart, the most important message that any of us could receive. And that is just like the Bible says, never, ever, ever stop praying. As a matter of fact, right, right here in Luke, um, well, thank you, Jesus. I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to wait. I'm just going to type it in here. Uh, Luke 18.
0: Okay. All
2: right. Not exactly the first. Um, Oh, here it is. I got the um, Luke 18. It says, And he told them a uh, parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and never to lose heart. Right there in the very introductory verse of Luke 18. But that's only one of probably hundreds of verses that say the same thing.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah, we are always to pray and never to lose heart till death does us part. (laughs) And if that happens, then we celebrate and have you know, hallelujah, you know, we give praise to God that that person is so delivered from the oppression and challenge of daily life. But you know, every every person's situation is different, and. Anyway, I don't know what to say, except thank you very much for coming on the program. God bless you
3: for having me God bless you thank you for your show and all you do for
2: us. thank you (laughs) all right god bless you all folks we'll see you friday night this friday night 7 p.m for the friday night prayer vigil i'm not going to miss this one particularly because i'll be stuck in vegas which is you know like a place you would never want to be stuck when you're supposed to be doing a prayer vigil if you get my drift but anyway thank you jesus so we'll see you at seven o'clock this friday lord willing god bless you all thank you for joining us and i pray in jesus name that you received The vital message associated with this prayer, because it is going to be arguably the most important lesson that any of us can learn and live by, not only now, but in the days ahead especially, for the mission that we were given, which is to heal the sick, cast out devils, never give up, continuously pray, and to bring people to our Lord Jesus and his eternal love forever and ever. Thank you for joining us tonight. Amen. God bless you, Karen. Thank you all. We'll talk to you on Friday. Thank you, Karen. Okay. Bye. (laughs) Bye Bye-bye.
1: Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners at the mercy of grace Redeemed we are by your embrace Praise his holy name Praise the King of kings When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure Until you come back for your bride to set her free. I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds For they shall see my glory.